0: You're listening to the light version of The Piece of Persistence. Visit patreon.com, that's patreo ncom com slash piece of persistence for complete access with double the content and zero ads. Hi, and welcome to The Piece of Persistence, the show where we seek to uncover the keys to happiness and success one honest conversation at a time. I'm your host, Abigail Wright, and today I have the pleasure of introducing you to my new friend, Craig Blum. Craig, thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
1: Thank you so much, it's an honor to be here.
0: Thanks. Born in Los Angeles, Craig Blum says he's the product of a crazy childhood environment. At the age of 16, with the help of a friend's father, he became emancipated and lived in the maid's quarters of a friend's empty mansion with their chauffeur. After high school, Craig worked a quick stint in the entertainment world before finding his passion as part of the opening team of the first US Hard Rock Cafe. While he really loved the food industry, With late nights and crazy living, he quickly found his personal life spinning out of control and hit bottom with drugs and alcohol at the age of 22. After getting sober, he decided to take his passion for food and run with it. He was part of the opening team for Chopsticks Restaurant Group in Los Angeles, opened multiple restaurants for them, managed the popular Authentic Cafe, and worked with the Border Grill. After taking some time off to travel to Israel and Europe, Craig had a moment of clarity, realizing that anything is possible and that he never had to live anywhere that he didn't love. So, he fulfilled a lifelong dream and moved to Maui, opening Cafe Fresh on the northwest shore of the island. He ran Cafe Fresh for a few years before selling it and going to the mainland for nine months to begin a new business. Inspired by reading the Celestine Prophecy, he began to notice his surroundings to see where they would take him. Craig drove into Marin County, California, saw a sign that told him it was where he needed to be, and has been there for 20 years. He started a pizza crust manufacturing company out of the back of his car and grew it to a nationally distributed product. With a lifelong interest in food trucks, he then became a student of that industry and began a quest to learn how to build the perfect truck with the perfect product, and he is there today. In early 2012, Johnny Donuts was born with the question, why do donuts typically taste so bad and make us feel so bad when we eat them? I've wondered that too, and I love donuts. After two years of product development and design, as their truck was delivered, they were approached by someone at Apple to do an event for iTunes. Since then, Johnny Donuts has done numerous events for Apple, Facebook, Google, and YouTube, to name a few. Named one of the top three donuts in the country by Food Network and honored as small business of the year for the state of California. They're even in a newly released major motion picture with Denzel Washington called Roman Israel Esquire. You might've heard of it. Craig's mission with Johnny Donuts is to be of service and share the love while working to bring back the sense of community and legacy that was once shared culturally with Donut. He has a loving and growing relationship with his wife and two amazing children, a 16-year-old girl from a previous relationship and a 7-year-old boy. He works hard to be a great father, not trying to right the wrongs gifted to him, but because he wants to share with them his authentic self. Craig, you have led such a fascinating life, and it seems like you've been chasing freedom for a long time. What was it like being emancipated at 16, and how has it affected you throughout your adult life?
1: Abby, thank you. That's a great question. Being emancipated at 16 years old, I think at the time when I was emancipated, it actually felt like I was much older than 16 years old, Hmm. and it had been quite a crazy life for me at that point being emancipated was like such a liberating experience because for me, I felt so trapped in the life that I was living. And, uh, my parents had been divorced and, uh, moved back and forth from house to house and really didn't have a place to land. And I finally got to a place where I kind of realized that I had the ability to make choices for myself. Hmm. Um, and with that, it's like the grass seemed so green on the emancipated side. And, um, you know, when I was there, it was an extremely lonely experience for me as well. And, and you know, where it seemed so romantic and seductive to have my own place and live alone. And, you know, there were my friends with their families and having their whole family experience, and I felt very lonely. I was conflicted at that moment. However, at the same time, I really, really needed to have that change, and that change was what really sparked me in, in such a way. I don't want to say it's run me throughout my life, but it's always given me that feeling that I can always make a change in times that feel just so desperate.
0: Hmm. That's a good lesson. You opened a lot of restaurants in your early career. Uh, What were some of your favorite takeaways or lessons from that time?
1: Opening the Hard Rock Cafe was probably one of the brightest parts of my career. It was like an incredible experience. And hearing Peter Morton, who was the owner of the Hard Rock, saying, I want to open a whole bunch of these, you know? And his dad going, "Okay, I'm behind you 100% and literally becoming the product and the brand that it is today. Um, He sold it a number of years ago, but it's just everybody knows what it is. And it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And he was my mentor. I look back at him and how he was a restaurateur. And what I learned was it was all about branding. It was all about really, it was holistic, right? It wasn't just about the food. It wasn't just about the environment. It wasn't just about the perception of the community. It was all of the above. And how do you take all those pieces that you've really learned and put it all together? It was, I remember we would have lines around the block that would be like two hours to get in, but there would still be room inside the restaurant to fit people in there. Wow. But it was always about, let's keep the lines outside. So the perception of people was that there was this amazing demand for this place. The quality of the food was like the same food that he served in his like upscale restaurant Morton's, which, you know, was a few blocks away same quality, a lot of the same things on the menu at Hard Rock were there, but for a fraction of the price. So people got an incredible value there. The music and the experience and the ambiance, it was, it was like a great vacation for people to come and have a moment, a moment in their life where they could just kind of check out from their existing struggles or challenges of the day and go on a little mini journey. And that's really what that was. And he kind of coined the whole entertainment industry. And he started this whole new wave of like all these different restaurants that have popped up over the years that have this whole entertainment capacity.
0: That's pretty incredible. So what fascinates you about food trucks?
1: I have always thought food trucks were the coolest thing in the world. Food trucks to me are a way to be able to get out in the world and give people amazing meals any place at all. I would always look at these things and go, I can't believe that they're just serving tacos and weird stuff off these trucks. Like the ones that I had seen years ago were just called Roach Coaches. I used to look at these things and go, you know, you clean them up, I bet they'd be pretty amazing. And then suddenly the food truck industry started to take off. Wow, there's something here to this. And I just became fascinated on how do I do this and what do I do and what's a good food product to sell off of a truck. And, you know, how does the truck world work and how many pieces do you need to sell in order to make yourself profitable? I you know, worked with uh, our current CFO, we sat there and we developed a financial model, we're going to do a pizza truck. And we figured, you know, how much time it takes and how many people we need to serve. And, you know, so we figured out what kind of oven we'd need to use and go through that whole process in order to develop the right product for the truck. And it was just really challenging. Again, another time where things were really challenging and I was swimming upstream to try and find a way to make this pizza truck work. And I had one more hurdle I was trying to go over. And if it didn't work, I was going to do a donut truck. And the reason why I was going to do a donut truck was that I was going to put donut holes on my pizza truck menu. And I was found myself more excited about the donut holes than I was about the pizza <laughs> so I felt like wow there's there's this world about donuts, and donuts taste pretty bad, so maybe I'll do a donut truck and literally, within a moment after this thing didn't work out, and I made the decision uh, to do a donut truck, literally within two weeks, I'd had the whole project completely funded and ready to go. Wow, yeah. The door is just slammed open on that one too.
0: You know, from a lot of your stories, it sounds like maybe your strongest skill is networking um, and connecting with people. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's probably an intuitive thing for you. It just comes naturally. But do you have any advice for people who are maybe not as good at networking or find it more difficult to meet people?
1: I've never really looked at it as networking. I've looked at it as getting interested in in other people and what they do and how they do it. Mm. I think that as we get interested in others... Others become more interested in us. And so I think through this journey, I've been able to meet some pretty amazing people along the way. When you say network, I'm like, wow, that seems like a real arduous task to network. You know, and I know people that are incredible networkers. For me, it's who's doing this and how do they do it and what makes them so successful? And, you know, what are they like and all, all sorts of stuff. And it's been pretty incredible process along the way.
0: So your advice is to get curious.
1: Absolutely. And interested, yes.
0: Well, and I love your particular interest in the cultural sense of community that used to be a part of the donut culture, too. Do you have any favorite stories you've heard from your customers or from your own past?
1: I didn't know it existed until I I went down this path.
0: Hmm.
1: Originally, when embarking on Johnny Donuts, it was about the trucks. It was about the donuts. It was about getting people in, getting people out, not really so much about what we were going to do. When I opened up this shop, I found that people wanted a place to kind of hang and a sense of community to tell their story. I almost feel like there's an opportunity here for a coffee table book of people's stories and their journeys and how donuts have affected their lives. Mm. Because I would say that so many people have the story of like, I did this with the donut shop with my blank. I went to the donut shop with my Aunt Mary and she was amazing. She loved a cruller. And no one can make a cruller like my Aunt Mary could, but she would be on the, you know, it's like all these stories, you know. I've had people that are writing books that are traveling all over the world to different donut shops to write about, like, their experiences. Um, I I didn't know this whole part of the culture, the American culture, actually existed until I embarked on this process. Donuts are really our product that we're putting out there. That's our way that we're able to reach people. But we're here to reach people and share the love and be of service. So when people come into Johnny Donuts, what they're getting is they're getting somebody that is gonna greet them with a smile, is gonna take them through the process, find out what they want, get interested in what they like. Most people come and go, what's your favorite donut? And it's like, it doesn't matter what my favorite donut is. I wanna know what your favorite donut is and I wanna find that donut for you. (laughs) And we take people through that process and we teach them how to do that and so people can leave and feel satisfied. Want people to come in because it's so confusing. What do I get? There's like thirty different varieties. We were gonna walk you through that process so you can leave here feeling like feeling good about it.
0: That's what you did when we met and it was I definitely left feeling good about the donuts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that.
0: Looking for a great present for that reader or student in your life? You need to visit the online bookstore with a soul, Better World Books. They collect and sell books online to donate books and fund literacy initiatives worldwide. You can get that perfect present while helping promote literacy. Visit peaceofpersistence.com slash betterworld for free shipping worldwide and the chance to make a difference. That's peaceofpersistence.com slash betterworld. If there were one thing that you would like other people in the world to see differently, what would it be?
1: You know, it's funny. I think one thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this is, is the word race. We spend so much time racing around. You know, what would it be like for us to not be all moving so quickly and to take the time to just kind of appreciate like like right now I'm feeling like I've got to get to my next appointment, you know, right (laughs) but I really want to enjoy the fact that I get this time to spend with you that I really honor and cherish and get to talk on your show. So that means a lot to me to be able to do that. And so I guess when I come back to, you know, what would it be like? What would this world be like? if we weren't all racing around to get somewhere else.
0: Hmm. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Amazing. Yeah. Do you have any other advice for us?
1: Uh, No, I've got nothing.
0: (laughs) Well, then we can let you go to your appointment. Uh, Craig, seriously, thank you so much. I'm so glad my friend Kenny told me to go to Johnny Donuts. It's really a pleasure to get to know you better and to share your story today. It's just been wonderful. Thank you.
1: Well, Abigail, I'm I'm honored to be on your show, and I, I look forward to getting to know you even better.
0: Thanks, me too. And thank you all for joining us today on the piece of Persistence. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share us with a friend or review us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or IMDb. Every share and every review or even rating really does help new people discover our show. So you're probably tired of hearing about it. But if you haven't done it yet, you could just go do it now. Also, if you know anyone who's genuinely happy, like Craig, and has had some success in their lives, if you think they'd be a good fit for our show, please let us know at peaceofpersistence at gmail.com or just say hi. In the meantime, you can subscribe to The Light Version wherever you listen to podcasts or visit us at patreon.com slash peaceofpersistence to find our full versions or if you just want to support the show. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on The Peace of Persistence for more great content to help all of us find more happiness and success in our lives.
1: But have we forgotten what really makes
0: us sing and dance at night? It's the people around
1: and our dreams that lift us up from underground.